record highs in the Dow again. Everything is awesome, except an underwhelming jobs report. Iran shooting down its own plane, possibly. The Epstein video that was permanently deleted. Megxit, Harry and Megan. I know Nick's dying to talk about that. Jupiter's throwing shots at Earth. We're going to hand out some awards. The 2020 Bizarro World Awards Show. And I am your host, Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode 52, apparently, of Bizarro World. Nick, first off, how are you? And second off, you believe we've been doing this 52 times? I'm very well, Gerardo. I cannot believe it. Can you? I remember when um, you were visiting us in Spokane and proposed the idea. and um, Over a beer. Obviously, um, <laughs> over a beer and over a year ago. So here we are. We put um, it into action with the help of, obviously, Tim and John. And here we are, have done it 52 weeks, I believe, consecutively, even when you travel, even when I travel, uh, when we're near and when we're far apart. We seem to get it done every week. So it's been fun. It has. And as I always say, it is much cheaper than therapy. So let's get to it. Let's talk markets. Um, the Dow briefly topped 29,000. Everything was amazing. Record highs and everything, of course. Um, and then we had a little bit of a pullback here day end. We had a weaker than expected jobs report. Um, thoughts on the market, Nick? I can give you mine really quick. I think it continues higher when you have, you know, every central bank in the world buying equities, stimulating uh, loose monetary policy, accommodative stances, dovish postures. I don't see how the market pulls back, right? Whether it's justified or not is a whole different conversation. The jobs report speaks to that, but I think the Dow and the major U.S. indices at least continue higher. Any thoughts there? Mm, stimulation. You like stimulation, Nick? Oh, we've been talking about it for <laughs> so long. We've been stimulated for so long. Um, yeah, no, the market continues higher. I mean, jobs were off by what, 15,000, I think, quote unquote, economists were looking for 160,000 jobs and the number came in at 145,000. Um, we've had Iran, you didn't even mention that, disappear uh, from the headlines, the volatility non-existent, even with um, generals being uh, killed or assassinated, whatever word you choose to use there, even with pl planes falling out of the sky, even with um, assets being bombed um, in retaliation in Iraq. The market goes um, on to highs. And why? Because of, of, of Tina, we know, and, and we've discussed this um, thesis of there is no alternative. And like you say, with um, low interest rates and the ability for <laughs> companies to borrow cheaply and to buy back their stock. Um, Is Tina and, edging the stock market? Oh, man. <laughs> It really it's 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 the, the the stimulation is getting a bit too intense to bear. Tina's edging skills are phenomenal. A release is is necessary. A blow off top is that is that, is that what we're looking at in the market here? Oh, you know that the the Jeopardy um, championship is going on this week, and I saw on Twitter that. Um, someone hit Ken Jennings up and said that his wife um, asked him to role play as Ken Jennings and Ken Jennings replied to him and said, it's, it's all about button timing. 
Hey, to each their own. Uh, different strokes for different folks. Let's bring it back to the market. Um, we did not talk about in detail last week um, the the killing of the number two person in Iran. We mentioned it briefly. I think the news had just broke, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, we had a rally in gold where it, it, it went through that 1600 level just on that news. It has pulled back since then, but it closed at a very healthy 1560, which, as you noted in your Wall Street's underground profits today, I read the issue and your early advantage newsletter yesterday. Um, it's, it's basically back to a healthy level pre assassination of the number two person in Iran news, right? And for anyone that is unclear about how popular this general was, and let's be clear, he's 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 a a, a class one, class A piece of shit, right? Uh, responsible for tons of murders, but he was very loved within his country. And if you saw the amount of people that went out to, you know, basically send him off, the streets were littered with people, um, hundreds of thousands, if not you know, if, if not close to a million, from from the pictures that I saw. Um, I don't believe, I mean, let me go on record and say, I don't believe this is the last we hear of a an escalation between our government and their government. And I, I don't believe that it helped matters any that Donald Trump preempted um, Justin Trudeau of Canada, uh, the United Nations, and basically everyone else by announcing that he thought, and he was right because he already knew, that the Iranian um, passenger plane that was shot down, unfortunately, that had, you know, hundreds of people, nearly 200 people, all fatalities, um, that it was shot down by Iran. Iran is denying that. And I think for, you know, the Trumpster to come out a day or two after um, Iran apparently intentionally missed all the targets, um, if you believe that, with their ballistic missiles, um, you know, we come out and, 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 and factually state that they believe that Iran shot the plane down. I think it would have been uh, savvier for uh, Justin Trudeau to do so, being that there were, I believe, something like 60-something Canadians that were on that plane, um, students. Um, I believe the UN could have came out and said it. But again, I don't think that Trump was able to contain himself. I thought it was a, a, a shot back. And I just don't see stability from that regime, which is what it is. And I think the sanctions that were imposed today also speak to the fact that, you know, we're still tightening the noose a bit. So I don't think it's the last you hear of it. I say all that to say that. And I think that it, it, it comes back comes back to focus here in the next couple of weeks. Even if it doesn't, let's suppose all of that speculation, which is just what it was, is completely off the mark because I'm no Middle East expert. Um, there is enough policy, stimulus, as we joked, um, to support a much higher gold price. So consolidation is possible, but I don't think we see um, a major breakdown. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I've talked long enough and I'm out of breath. Um, I'm glad that the response was actually as measured as it was. We had talked last week about how long we've been at war. I've seen some charts this week. And if I remember, I'll put up a link to one of them about um, if you're an American, depending on which you, year you were born, um, what percentage of your life our country has been at war. And I think that um, the country as a whole, and particularly my generation, um, is tired of that and 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 ready to move beyond that. And so I'm glad it was um, sort of de-escalated quickly. As you said, no 
um, casualties in the response. I do believe that was intentional. I don't think Iran was looking to um, kill Americans or Iraqis. I think they were looking to say, hey, we have missiles too, and we're not afraid to fire them. So um, let's just leave it at that. And then um, I was glad to see that um, there wasn't a lot of um, blame or escalation around the shooting down of the plane. It was um, frankly acknowledged um, right away that it was a mistake, um, a tragic mistake, obviously, but I'm glad that that wasn't used by us, the West, uh, to further escalate the situation. And um, the effects on the market, as I already said, have been short-lived, both in the in broad market equities and in the um, response of precious metals, particularly gold. So um, is, is, is this a flare-up that could potentially lead to something further down the road? Um, of course, but um, look, I was talking to somebody the other day who wanted to put this in a promo as like um, one of the, you know, we write leads and headlines and promos, like the most attractive idea or whatever to get people into it. And I had to tell this guy, look, we can't run with this, man. Do you remember? It was just only August when the drones were swarming the Saudi uh, bombed the, the, the oil fields. I think I said this last week, and that was like threatening half of global oil supply. And no one even remembers that. And it's only been a couple of months. And so um, I'm not willing to, to, to plant a flag on this as a, as a major event. I think it's a flare up in a in a region that is known for flare-ups, and I hope that we can now move on from this and get back to to business as, well, not usual, business as bizarro world. I think bizarro world continues. I expect more volatility from the region. Um, I expect that to continue to spill over in the gold market. It was interesting to me that even Bitcoin caught a bid on um, the initial um, attack right and 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 sits there today at about eight thousand. Um, the crypto market and Bitcoin, obviously included, has been pretty dormant for the past couple of months after a pretty severe pullback. You've been on record, I think, when it was down at the four thousand level, the five thousand level, saying that you thought that was a bottom. You were a hundred percent correct about that. Do you think this pause in the rise in Bitcoin specifically? is temporary and do you think that we see new highs like people much smarter than i believe um in the coming months i think that people are increasingly nervous about the performance of the stock market i think that um sort of everyone knows that it's long in the long in the tooth everyone knows that um it's based on the stimulus right we joke about it but um um, we all know this is a Fed market. It's not based on fundamentals. And increasingly, I've seen in the mainstream media recognition of this. Like um, there was an article in Bloomberg this week about the hidden dangers of the great index fund takeover, uh, talking about how, and this is something we've talked about. It was probably months ago at this point, um, you know, how people that have their investments on autopilot going into Vandex funds or, or iShares ETFs or whatever, um, is increasingly um, a larger share of the market. Um, you know, iShares has something like uh, five trillion under management. Vanguard is right around that number as well, four and a half trillion. And this article was saying collectively they own like 18% of Apple and similar shares of other of the largest companies um, in the world. And so that's that's one sort of time bomb. If you want to view it that way, there was another article this week in the Wall Street Journal saying that you know, 40 percent 
of uh, publicly traded companies were not profitable this year. We're talking about the big ones, you know, Tesla and GE, ones whose stocks have been doing uh, particularly well, especially in the case of Tesla. And so sort of like the cracks in the foundation or the, the sand that the house is built on is, is well known. And yet, um, because of the Fed and because of the, of the stimulus, um, the stocks continue to go up, and I haven't answered your question yet. Um, but people are increasingly looking to safe havens. We see that um, with gold at a six or, or seven year high. We see that with with Bitcoin having doubled from the the four thousand level that you mentioned. And I think that you see a bull market in cryptos parallel to the to the bull market that you're seeing. Um, in precious metals. And so just like the foundation is in place for $2,000 or $3,000 gold, the foundation is in place for, um, you know, ten or fifteen or $20,000 Bitcoin. The, the question um, really is what's the catalyst? And, and that's the one that I don't have an answer to. Agreed. Um, and that's what Black Swan events are for, right? And again, uh, a re-escalation of things in the Middle East, which which can happen rather quickly, as we just saw. Um, looks like, looks like in 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 the most recent example, um, could possibly be that. And and who knows, right? There's a a million other potential Black Swan events. That's why they're called that. That that we don't foresee in the famous words of our ex uh, our ex head of, of defense, Mr. Donald Rumsfeld, we can only plan for the known knowns. There are known knowns. There are known unknowns. It's the unknown unknowns that he worried about, right? And I think that that's where we're at. Um, the unknown unknowns are the ones that'll likely be um, that potential catalyst. So let's see how that plays out. Um, we got to talk about Boeing a bit, you know, they, 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 they dodged the conversation several weeks, several months actually. And then we finally got to them about a month or two ago. And now, you know, we, we, the plane initially in Iran that was shot down, um, initially it was suspected that it could have been some accident until it was obvious that it was not, um, Boeing shares were down three to 4%. And as soon as we found out that it was the result of a ballistic missile, um, shares have since recovered. Um, and then we get, um, news yesterday of Boeing employees. And this really pisses me off because again, there were two planes, um, that blew up where hundreds of people died as a result of Boeing covering up the potential flaws in the 737 MAX as it was being developed. So here are some of the tweets and texts, and let, let me correct that, texts and email quotes from employees um, referencing interactions with the Federal Aviation Administration, which was reviewing um, and certifying this 737 MAX software that was being developed. Um, one said, I still haven't been forgiven by God for the covering up I did last year. That was from 2018. Um, there was another conversation that talked about problems with the software and the flight simulators for the Max. Um, again, this killed 346 people in two separate accidents total. They said... These are Boeing employees. Would you put your family on a Max Simulator trained aircraft? I wouldn't. 
This was before the first crash. The colleague responded, no, I would not. In another exchange from 2017, again, before the crash, this airplane is designed by clowns who are in turn supervised by monkeys. How Boeing has managed to so far dodge criminal charges is beyond me and will be an embarrassment to the Justice Department if it is not held to account. There are people in our federal prison system in the United States doing decades for nonviolent drug offenses. In this case, 346 people died. And these people were making jokes about what a shit show this system was way before it had fatal consequences. Um, Boeing's statement yesterday said these communications contain provocative language and in certain instances raises questions about Boeing's interactions with the FAA in connection with the simulator qualification process. Having carefully reviewed the issue, we are confident that all of Boeing's MAX simulators are functioning effectively. That was the comment. That's the official statement. Any thoughts there, Nick? I think I think I've been pretty clear on how I feel. I think I think there there, there was criminal activity and anybody involved with the cover up, especially especially before these accidents, um, should be imprisoned. Well, I mean, let's be clear that these communications um, make it make it. Uh, pretty crystal clear that Boeing is culpable, right? Um, and certainly in individuals um, at the company. And um, let's not forget either that the the CEO was was walked away with a golden parachute, right? Wasn't it something like thirty or sixty million dollars? I'd have to Google it to see the exact number, but I'm I'm pretty sure that he got to to float gently to the ground while other people fell out of the sky. And so. Um, you know, it's sort of like a microcosm of the corporatism that has affected the country, right? And how um, if you're a corporation or a person that runs a corporation, you're, you can um, do unscrupulous things, do unethical things, and in many cases outright uh, break the law, damage people's lives or end people's lives and um, get to walk away with it, not only um, without being held accountable, but without having to admit um, guilt and oftentimes with um, your pockets stuffed full so you can um, live out your days in comfort, which is um, not fair and which has to change. And hopefully uh, people are paying attention. There's more people in this country still upset about Hillary's email server despite the fact that an investigation just concluded that it was a waste of time. There really wasn't much to that. Um, it was just partisan hacks doing what partisan hacks do the same way that Democrats do to Republicans and Donald Trump in many instances, right? Um, there's more people upset about emails than there are about hundreds of people <laughs> falling out of the sky and a corporation covering it up. It's insane to me. It's bizarro. It's crazy. Um, anyhow, that's all I have on that. <laughs> I'll leave that there. Um, more bizarro news. We got to, we got to talk about Jeff Epstein, right? Um, <laughs> news now states that the surveillance video from Jeffrey Epstein's first apparent suicide attempt 
no longer exist. What this was a the first surprise. attempt. Wow, no way, right? No way. After review, this is the statement. After reviewing the video, it appeared to the government that the footage contained on the preserved video was for the correct date and time, but captured a different tier than the one where the cell housing Epstein and his cellmate was located because the preserved video did not show corrections officers responding to any of the cells seen on the video. The MCC, quote unquote, inadvertently preserved video from the wrong tier within the MCC. This is the corrections facility. And as a result, video from outside the defendant's cell on July 22nd and 23rd, 2019, no longer exist. Unreal. I mean, it again, it's unreal to me how brazen these people are in covering something up that everybody knows is a cover-up. And still, you know, the two guards got arrested. We'll see what that leads to. And then that's really been it, right? No, no following it up the chain, none of that. Um, and then we're just supposed to believe this stuff. And again, this was one man who was a pedophile, a rapist, a sex offender. I'm glad that he's gone. I'm, I'm sorry he didn't get to properly pay for the crimes he committed and the trauma he inflicted on people. But this is I mean, just one guy at the end of the day. Um, the, 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 the bigger overarching problem is how bold-faced the corruption is and, and the stupid shit they tell us that the average citizen is just supposed to accept and believe and then the fact that most of us do. It's breaking up the royal family. It's so intense, man. We're going to talk about Megxit. <laughs> No, but That's seriously, more, more, more I mean, turning stuff. We'll get to that you, in a second. If you believe that was an accident, if you believe the camera was recording from another room, it's like, I've got a bridge to sell you, man. I mean, there's like too many coincidences, right? For, for something that we know is just a conspiracy that is, you know, one or two breaks away from unraveling. And, um, you know, if it wasn't so serious, it would be more laughable, but the video mysteriously disappeared. Like, come on, man. Like, this is like, it's like OJ's glove, man. I mean, it's unbelievable. Agreed. Agreed. Let's pivot a little bit and talk a little more, uh, something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle basically said, you know what? We're done with this dumb shit. We don't want to be a part of this. Um, they basically decided to move out, right? It's it's, it's kind of what uh what it amounts to. Um, the New York Post hilariously called it Megxit, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think this is. I'm only speaking about this because I believe it's very uh, emblematic of more signs of this fourth turning that you and I keep talking about, right? Where the newer generation isn't just going to follow along whatever institutions were set up hundreds and hundreds of years ago just because the elders say so. And kudos to these two, right? Young couple, baby. Um, you know what? We're going to do this on our own. If you want to be supportive, great. And if you don't, kick rocks. Um, Prince Harry still thinks that the media killed his mom. He's probably right. And he's like, I'm not playing this game with you people. Any thoughts on that, Nick, as it relates to our fourth turning, um, you know, theme that we continue to ha try to hammer home to people because it's real? 
Um, I think you said it well. Um, I, I think that there's probably some, some Epstein stuff in there too, as far as not wanting to be associated with that. We talked about the interview that, um, Prince Andrew, Andrew. gave mm-hmm. a couple of, of weeks ago. Um, and you know how I feel about the Royal family. I mean, I don't, buy into the whole tabloid culture. Let's talk about their babies and share their pictures and want to know what they're up to. Like, I honestly just don't give a flying fuck. Um, and I, I lump them in with like the Kardashians, right? Like, oh, like Harry and Meghan are going to go out and make it on their own. Like what a fucking tough time they're going to have. <laughs> <clears throat> like, <laughs> all right. No pity, no pity party for them? No, I'm on to the next story already. But I did have some of the same thoughts you had about the fourth turning and, and millennials not wanting to be a part of the, the royal family, et cetera. But at the end of the day, um, it's kind of lip service, I think. Agreed. It's getting so bad out there and it's getting so crazy that Jupiter's had enough. Um, did you see the report that says Jupiter is flinging asteroids at Earth? Like, here, fuck you, you dumbass planet. Have you read that at all? Only because I, I saw it on, a, on our list of topics <laughs> today. And so I, I was wondering what the heck was going on. So um, tell us, because I don't thoroughly understand. There's a theory that, that, that postulates that Jupiter... Um, which acts like a giant space shield due to its huge mass is causing it to suck in or deflect dangerous debris. So it's, it's, it's sucking it in and these asteroids and then these flying, you know, whatever, whatever it is, comets and asteroids and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's basically kicking it out and shooting them at earth. Um, you know, the article, and I'll put a link up to it does say that the theory is falling out of favor. Um, but it's, 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 it's a heck of a, it's a heck of a headline and it's a heck of a story. Um, and I just thought, again, I thought it was really symbolic of the times that we live in. It's a bizarro world out there. And no, I would not be in the least surprised if it's so crazy that Jupiter is, you know, um, just throwing shit towards earth and here, take this. You guys deserve all this shit. Let's see what, let's see what it hits, right? You guys do it to each other as humans, ballistic missiles and bombs and you know, all the other crazy stuff that goes on. So I just thought it was um, a bit funny, a bit ironic and yeah, pretty cool article. Well, I was going to make a Uranus joke, but I'll be more poetic instead. <laughs> um, my understanding is, is that. Is it a Tina edging the central no, bank? No, no. <laughs> Just my, asking. <laughs> my understanding was this this one's gonna have a really good title. Um, but anyway, <laughs> my understanding was that um, for a long time, the scientists who published this paper, the the theory was that um, Jupiter was actually protecting us, um, acting as a shield as opposed to um, a sniper shooting those objects back at us. and um, at the end of the article, it was saying that it could actually act as both. It could be both um, a shield and a sniper, um, not simultaneously, but it could act as both. And so I thought that was it sort could of, go both ways. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. What I was going to say, it was like a rose. You can't have the beauty without the thorn. But sure, Gerardo. <laughs> Ah, good stuff. I'm glad we were able to pivot to a more lighthearted discussion. Let's give out some Bizarro World Awards, Nick. Uh, and you and I haven't uh, even, you know, compared notes or talked about this beforehand. So we are, we are, we are, we are live and freestyling this. 
but we did this last year and there were a few people that sent kind notes and appreciated it. And I thought, um, you know what? It's a new year. It's a new decade. Um, gold's at 1560. Let's hand out some awards. Let's start with the best execution in 2019 by a junior. Um, I had two names that popped into mind. I'm going to kind of cheat and I'm going to go with a junior producer. Um, and it's Taranga. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but gosh, the chart is just so beautiful. The execution on their um, mine that's in production, Sabadala, the one that they just commissioned um, in late November, uh, early December called Wagnian, and then uh, the beautiful acquisition at the end of 2019 of Masawa from um, Barrick. It's going to take their costs down to around um, $800 um, an ounce. They're going to be like a, a two or 300 ounce a year producer growing very fast. They can use their existing mill infrastructure for the ore in that Barrick project. They just got the, gosh, the shares have gone from three to over $7. I know it's kind of cheating to pick a, uh, a producer, but look, that was a, a $200 million company when I started writing about it. And so that is squarely in junior territory in my book. And so, um, if I cheated a little bit, I don't care. Nope. I'm going to do the exact same thing actually. And mine is going to be K92 mining, that, right? That, so Which, that would have been my other one, right? Well, th well, there you go. So we're both cheating and we both agree. Um, you know, what, what else can you say? Blockbuster exploration results, uh, multiple deposits, um, record production numbers, uh, lower quartile cost, um, you know, 52 week low. The stock was at a buck oh three Canadian. Here we are at three twenty three thirty seven was the 52 week high. It's at three twenty today. It's new porphyry discovery. Absolutely. New porphyry discovery. I mean, this thing screams takeout target. I am guilty of trading around it. Um, I thought that gold was going to pull back. Um, back when gold broke right through 1500, I thought there was going to be a, a, a potentially a more severe pullback than what we got. And, and I traded out of it. Um, and in hindsight, that was a mistake because Hey, these guys and gals continue to execute kudos to them. Um, congratulations. And again, I think they're a prime takeout target job. Well done by both those companies. Let's talk best explorer, Nick. Who do you have as the best explorer of 2019? It's a it's a stock that didn't go up, but it's a company that did what they were supposed to. And the, the mm. answer for me is Ethos. Um, they had a, a strategy of exploring uh, multiple projects and, and cutting them loose uh, quickly if they didn't uh, pan out. They did that very effectively going through um, three or four projects currently drilling their their fourth, I believe it is. Um, we're able to to bring money in. We're able to bring in um, strategic advisors and are drilling what uh, what I would say is their most prospective property now in Lignaris. So um, we're able to get through what everyone agreed was a very very tough year, while both um, keeping the share structure intact. Um, keeping capital in their coffers, as well as exploring uh, multiple properties. And that's what you need to do if you're going to have success. Um, so there it is for me. 
I think that's a heck of a choice. I have to go with Great Bear Resources, and I am mindful that the initial discovery happened, you know, circa 2018. But what they've been able to do in the past year um, on the on the on the back of exploration success has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, 2019, of course, was a very tough year for a lot of explorers. They've managed now. Um, they're in the midst of a 200,000 meter drill program fully funded um, they've been able to bring in some very very well connected um, strategic investors they've managed to raise money at sequentially higher prices every go round it seems like and you know a, a 200,000 meter drill program coming out of the market that we're coming out of and and having it be fully funded and not to mention the share price performance right 52 week low of a buck 85. You know, 52-week high of 950. It sits here at 862 Canadian. So kudos to Mr. Chris Taylor, the team out there, and, and, and kudos to the writers that, that caught this early, early. You know, I had some trading success with it um, in, in, in the hundreds of percents, two or 300% or something like that. But, you know, there were people like Gwen Preston that caught this really early on. Brian London, I believe, may have been the first person that caught this. And so, yeah, shout out to them too as well because they, 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 they caught this early. I'll give you a shout out, Gerardo. I was um, looking at the Money Show's top picks of the year. They always ask a bunch of editors to give them their top picks for the year. And um, one of yours, they, they asked for two. Uh, yours was Great Bear. So you, you, you nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was, uh, well, I think it was not to toot my own horn, but, you know, again, this is kudos to Great Bear, not myself. It was number three out of 111 stocks. So thank you to Great Bear for, for helping put that up on the board in what was a, a pretty tough year overall for, for the portfolio, right? I mean, I tend to lean towards the exploration companies and the bottom line is in 2019, most of those companies weren't actually exploring. Um, they were biding their time for a better market where they could raise capital. And I think 2020 is going to be you know, the polar opposite of that we're going to see. And, we, and we're already seeing what some companies in the portfolio um, and outperformance there as, as, as they get their, their mojo back. But yeah, kudos to Great Bear again for uh, helping put that on the board for me. And thank you for the shout out, Mr. Hodge. You got it. Let's, uh, we just talked about the good ones. Let's talk about the most disappointing explorer of 2019. Um, uh, I got a couple on my list here. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to look at a couple that I helped raise money that we ended up selling for drastic losses. I'll give you two. One is called Fremont Gold, who, mm. um, I would say didn't raise enough money, uh, from the outset came up short on, um, their drill campaign had to cut it short due to weather, ended up cutting their property loose. Um, is now, you know, trying to get another property or got another property that they're going to work on. But it's one of those things where the goalposts kept moving. Um, uh, the execution wasn't there and, and none of the goals were were met. Right. So it's a stock that goes from like 14 cents to, to three or four cents by the end of the year. Um, another one I probably talked about on this podcast before, Allegiant Gold, you know, a company financed in, in 2017 at, at 60 cents, had six um, really good shots on goal at separate Nevada properties, um, whiffed on all of them, 0 for 6, two strikeouts, um, you know, three strikes each, six total. Um, 
and just wasn't able to to recover from that. Um, ended up having to bring in people to to, to option their properties too, and the stock goes down um, well below ten cents. So those would be two for me. And both of those companies, all six of those strikeouts are in Nevada, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, all six in Nevada. All six um, uh, quality properties. All six um, advised by Andy Wallace, who has has found multiple. Uh, mines in that jurisdiction and so um you had a mine finder the the rocks just don't always work in your favor and so you know multiple things working against you that's not a knock at allegiant management that's not a knock at andy wallace it's a combination of things right the rocks the market everything yeah mother nature will do it to the best of us right yep agreed mine has to be gainy capital you know gainy capital is a company that I recommended um, a few years ago because I really liked the near surface oxide potential at um, their property in Durango, Mexico. They then went ahead and after some successful drilling, were planning on issuing a 43101. Um, the qualified person, the QP on this ended up disappearing. Um, subsequently, there was no one that was willing to sign off on the assay results that um, that were good assay results. We're talking, you know, tens of meters, 30 meters of, you know, gram per ton gold type stuff starting at surface over, over, you know, spread out over kilometers. And that was 2018. And I was willing to stick with it. The company raised money. Uh, the company assured us that it would go out of its way to make sure it followed protocol and did everything by the book. Very people much smarter and much richer than I, right? Mr. Eric Sprott. Ernesto Echevarria Salazar, they came in um, and, and, you know, billionaires writing checks is a good endorsement. And so they, they, they wrote some checks expecting and anticipating a negotiation of a new concession within the same property, um, but one that they had, they had not managed to secure. In fairness to Ganey in 2019, they were able to get that done. Um, they secured the property. They announced that drilling would commence. The target looked high grade. It was the most prospective target on the entire property. Um, drills started turning. The stock reacted well. We were excited. Um, everyone felt, shareholders felt that the patient's exercise would pay off, only to find out months later that drilling had to be stopped because of issues within the community. And so... It was at that point that I decided to make a sell call because I didn't believe that the issues were a result of a community that was belligerent. I believe now that the results are um, because of management and, and, and I don't know if it's the CEO or the country manager or the exploration team um, or how they're conducting business down there. But the bottom line is there is something there that just hasn't allowed this company, which has raised money twice now on, on, on the back of, we're going to drill this very prospective property. There's something there that hasn't allowed them to execute the way that they should have. And so I still like the property. Um, the company just announced uh, a few days ago that the, 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 they are in talks to resume work at Las Margaritas. Um, I'm just not willing to wait. And so that was the reason for the sell call, the tax loss selling um, last year. And that's got to be the biggest disappointment for me because it had the cash. It had the drill program outlined. It secured the land. It had supposedly good relationships with the locals. And for the second year in a row, all of that just went down the tubes basically. So 
Gainey Capital has to be my most disappointing explorer of 2019. I'm familiar with the story. It has been um, disappointing that that has taken much longer to drill than it should have. And hopefully they can get it back on track. That's the hope. And if they hit and if the property turns out to be as good as CEO David Coburn has sold it to be, I will give him his just due, um, deservedly so. He's been he's been resilient. He's stuck with it. And let's see. I'm rooting for them. But definitely the most disappointing stock for me of 2019. Um, let's pivot. Let's talk uh, the best turnaround story of 2019. Nick, what do you got? Am Companies I going for maybe? Yeah, I'm you go I'm first. going first again. Um, Absolutely. Okay, a couple of names came to mind. It was it was hard to pick um, among them, but I'm going to talk about Millrock Resources for a little bit. Um, Greg Beicher has been very diligent um, as a prospect generator in um, getting properties, um, getting them ready to, to drill, identifying targets, bringing in new partners. And it's been a very tough slog. We thought we had it in Mexico with La Navidad. That didn't turn out. Um, continued to raise the money, raise the money all the way down to seven cents. The stock goes to six and a half cents. Um, and he's able to bring in an Australian partner on this Good Pastor project, what's now called the 64 North project, um, and gets them to pay um, up to $20 million for up to 60% of the project, a very good deal for Millrock and his share and its shareholders. Um, this project is adjacent to the Pogo gold mine that uh, Northern Star recently acquired and is exploring and has been exploring right up to the property border um, with Millrock. Uh, this this um, uh, JV deal has uh, now been inked. The, the drill roads are being built. Uh, drilling, as I understand it, is slated to commence in or around uh, March. And the shares responded in a, in a big way headed into the, the end of 2019 from that six and a half cent low I mentioned um, up to the low 20s. They, they pulled back a, a bit, but are still more than twice um, their low from last year. And I, for one, am excited about the next couple of months. Certainly, I'm interested to see what those first couple of um, holes drummed up. And it's good to see the, um, well, first of all, it's good to see good things happen to good people. And it's good to see the um, prospect generation model paying off, as, as we all know it is want to do um, if executed over enough time uh, effectively. Kudos to Greg Beischer and the team at Millrock. They structured a very shareholder-friendly deal. There will be $5 million of exploration in 2020. It won't just focus on the main target, the most prospective one, which is um, adjacent to or directly across um, the Pogo mine and, and, and their most recent discovery on that, on that property package or Northern, Northern Star's most recent discovery on that property package, which borders, um, it edges <laughs> Mill Rock's target. Um, so kudos to, to, to that team for structuring a deal that um, allows for up to $20 million US in exploration over five years, if I recall correctly, you with $5 million of that slated to be spent in 2020. And again, there was a mandate by Greg Beicher that the exploration drilling done not only focused in one area, but that they also uh, put a couple of wildcat holes in the ground to see what the rest of the district may host. 
all of that bodes well for a robust 2020 for Millrock. So I will echo your sentiments there. However, my company is going to have to be Hannon Metals, which looks like it was dead in the water, right? Um, they have a very exciting property in Ireland that was a base metal property. There was a lot of very good science that went into it, over $30 million of historic spending. I visited the property um, two years ago. The drilling just did not allow for the discovery they thought they were going to have to complement the existing resource. I'll be very clear, um, I believe, and more importantly, Michael Hudson, who's a geologist and the geologist team at Hannon still believe that there are discoveries to be made. However, it's expensive to drill. It's deep drilling. And the bottom line is the zinc market and the base metals market pulled back with the trade wars that were initiated. And so it was smart of CEO Michael Hudson, um, CEO at the time, um, to, to, to pivot. And his pivot um, was nothing short of phenomenal. They went ahead and staked some of the best, and, and the best if you ask them, um, land in a part of Peru that is very underexplored. Um, they have, I believe now, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, just doubled um, the land package there. They have 25 concessions now that cover over 521 square kilometers of prospective geology. And so this land package in Peru is absolutely massive. Um, the system there is a sedimentary copper silver project in Peru. And we'll see, we'll see what it has. They have to drill it out. But I can tell you that behind the scenes, they're, 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 they're confident. They, they think they can demonstrate scale and continuity and grade. And we'll know within a couple of months, you know, the company went from a 52-week low of $0.04 cents to a 52-week high of $0.24. Cents. It's currently trading at $0.18. Cents. And despite that, still has a tiny market cap of sub $12 million Canadian. I don't think it's a coincidence that companies with market caps much larger than Hannon's are now staking ground all around um, that land package. But again... Kudos to Michael Hudson because that first mover advantage, if there's discoveries to be had in that part of Peru, and it appears there are, um, they believe they have the best ground. And the staking that has happened since then uh, lends a lot of credibility to that statement. It was the one I was comparing uh, Milrock against. I didn't know which one to talk about, but I knew you wanted to talk about Hannon. And so that's why I, I did Milrock. All right. Let's get to the stocks to watch in 2020. That was 2019. I'm excited for 2020. Gold seems excited. Um, let's let's pick three names. Three names you're excited about in 2020. Nick. Oh gosh, I had picked one name. So, and I was going to give you two honorable mentions. So, I guess I can just do those as all three names, right? There, there um, you go. <laughs> so, two, two. Uh, well, one is um, a name I don't own yet, but um, that. I've been reading the the press releases uh, from and that um, I know uh, a gentleman that I respect in the industry and that has had multiple successful exits is now interested in as well. And that's Velocity um, mm. with their Bulgarian project. Um, let me see if I can pull up the ticker from you because I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't own it yet, but that's one that you should take a look at Velocity Minerals VLC um, just put out. 
um, drill results this week, actually, 11 and a half meters of, of 4.25 grams a ton. Um, it, it, it's sort of similar to Atlantic, right? Carbon and leach with a central processing with, with satellite deposits. It's, it's very straightforward. And, and Stephen Dean is among the best out there. I would, I would keep an eye on um, velocity. What else was I going to talk about? I was going to talk about a Zarga. Um, mm. We haven't talked much about uranium. Everyone's been excited um, about gold. Um, but Azarga was able to get the final contention uh, resolved for their, their Dewey Burdock project in, in South Dakota, which we know is the, um, the best undeveloped in situ uranium asset in the country. We know we still haven't got a resolution or recommendations um, from the federal government from, um, you know, as far as the Section 232 petition. Um, uranium is still highly, highly out of favor. There continues to be uh, capitulation. I saw the international uh, speculator, I think it was, sold fission uh, this week. So um, it, it's still a very out of favor sector. And you've got one of the best assets in there in one of the best jurisdictions that are expected to get some sort of incentives from the government. Um, it's certainly one that um, I'd be watching. And then let me think of another one here. I think you have to watch, I think you have to watch Cucho Copper as mm. um, they continue to advance the other Cucho project as you know, metallurgy continues to improve, as Wheaton continues to support, um, and as it continues to be uh, exceedingly, exceedingly cheap. Agreed. I'll give you three and I won't get into each of these um, too, too in depth because we've talked about all three names. So I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, but I'm going to start with Magna Gold, ticker symbol MGR. Um, CEO is Arturo Bonillas. I, I continue to reference him as the Michael Jordan of Mining, the reason being, Michael Jordan won six rings with the Bulls every opportunity at a championship. He executed. every. He was six for six in the finals. And so Mr. Arturo Bonillas, the last five deposits that he's developed have become producing mines. He is at it with number six, and he may get number six and seven um, out of the same company, Magna Gold. It has two very prospective properties in San Judas, and the Mercedes property, both in Mexico. I know that Mr. Bonillas has been very public about the fact that he's looking to leverage his Rolodex to bring in another property, possibly something even closer to production. Um, and yet the market cap of this company, if I'm not mistaken, it sits right at 11 to 12 million Canadian. Um, I remember a gold market a few years back where a management team with this pedigree immediately out the gate would command a market cap of 40 and 50 million um, before good drill results, before, you know, everything else that comes with Magna Gold. So I think Magna Gold is going to have a breakout year in 2020. Uh, my second company, and I'll just give the name because I've talked about this company so often, Midas Gold. You know, Midas Gold just responds mostly when gold goes down. It pulls back, right? Thus far in 2020, there hasn't been much of a move. Um, if gold goes down, Midas gold goes down. 
If gold goes up, it just, you know, kind of ticks up a couple of percentage points, but that provides you all a phenomenal opportunity to either initiate a position. Um, and I'll opine that if you're speculating in the sector, Midas gold has to be a core position for you. Um, and if, if, if you already have a position, these prices present a bargain um, and, and should allow you to add to that position. So Midas Gold, um, I think, will have an excellent year as they work towards their permit in early 2021. Um, prime takeout target once that happens. And lastly, we already I, talked Canon. I don't oh, know that company. I don't know that company. I have to look into it. <laughs> And lastly, Hannon Metals, for all the reasons we stated earlier, uh, I anticipate another financing that will allow them to drill. I anticipate they'll get their permits to be able to drill later in the year. I anticipate a lot of very solid exploration work, efforts that are ongoing as we speak. Um, and any any discovery of significance, and I think, I think, I think they're due for it, um, will send shares much, much higher and... I'm rooting for it. Shareholder. I'm biased. I, I like Michael Hudson. I like the team. I like the pivot. And uh, I like the position they've put shareholders in for 2020, despite the tough 2019. So those are my three stocks to watch in 2020. All good ones. Um, all ones that I own. And so and cheerleading for all of them. Excellent. Mr. Hodge, we've talked Tina. We've talked edging. We've talked Uranus. We've talked capitulation in the uranium market, Fed stimulus, Megxit, Epstein, Boeing, and we handed out some awards. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Gosh, no, that was um, an exhaustive list and I feel a bit exhausted. It is, I'm peeking out the window, whiteout conditions in Spokane. We're expecting snow every single day for the next week. It's not gonna get above freezing. Um, I have my tube in the back of my truck. I'm headed home right now. We're going to do some four-wheeling and we're going to do some sledding. So everybody have a good week. Drive safe. I wish you a quick recovery on your exhaustive experience here, Nick. And um, we will chat next week. I am Gerardo Del Real with my co-host, Nick Hodge. This has been episode 52 of Bizarro World. Have a great week, everybody. Be nice to each other. Say something loving to somebody, but don't be a creep about it. Bye, guys. See ya.